Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I sometimes just dream, and maybe it's maybe it's a reality that Huey Lewis, when we play him on the show, is listening to our show. That'd be cool. He lives down the Bitterroot. I mean, it could happen. <laughs> Thanks so much to you for listening to our show uh, here on Nuanas Now. We come to you live each weekday from 4 to 6 p.m. from the ESPN MT studio here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company. Missoula Broadcasting is locally owned and operated for more than 15 years and happy to say so. You can always catch this show on 102.9 on your radio dial, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Montana Football Hour chocked full of info, including projected starting lineups uh, offensively for both the Grizz and the Cats, it's football season, baby. It's not quite football season, but it's football season talk. Uh, it's football talk season for sure. So we'll have plenty of uh, that coming up. If you want to hear about the uh, the offenses, the projected starters offensively for both Montana and Montana State, check out the podcast presented by Blackfoot Communications, the M Store where they're all Grizz all the time, and the Montana State Bookstore. Visit msubookstore.org. We will talk about the new Netflix series quarterback, but first let's do the defenses. We did the Grizz first with the offenses, so we'll do the Cats first defensively. Uh, Cats up front, their defensive line I think has some of the the more uh, reputable returners in the conference, led by Sebastian Valdez, who I think is one of the best defensive tackles in the country, and Brody Greeby, who's certainly one of the best defensive ends in the conference. Kenneth Iden also was very productive last year, coming off the edge for the Bobcats. And Ben Seymour, I think, is an underrated player at the end spot as well. Uh, so I think those guys are all sort of veteran known names. The other uh, inside spot defensively, I think Blake Schmidt's a guy that's made a lot of noise internally uh, in the MSU program. He's put on a ton of weight. He's almost 300 pounds now. Uh, last time I talked to their strength and conditioning coaches, they said that he uh, was power clean at almost 400 pounds and he was chasing Chase Benson's program record, so that's significant. Uh, so I think he'll be uh, the other guy next to Valdez on the inside. And then I think Zach Black, if he can come back from the injury he had that cost him the spring, I think he'll be sort of that third guy on the inside. I think Paul Brott showed flashes last year as well, former Billings West kid, uh, who has put on a lot of weight and a lot of strength. Uh, I think he he could make some noise on the inside as well. Ethan Abbott, a kid from Florence, I think also could maybe find his way into the rotation as well. And then uh, besides Greeby and Seymour and and Iden, that fourth DN spot is really interesting for the Bobcats as well. Hunter Parsons is a guy who stood out to me in spring ball two years in a row. He hasn't really played in games, though. He's a kid from Sparks, Nevada. But he's long and lean. He's really wiry, but he's really explosive. He's tough. Uh, he, he, He was a little light. So he's having a hard time get off, getting off blocks, but he, he's got the want to. He's really aggressive. The other guy that I think is going to really make some noise if 
if things go according to plan, is Zach Cruz. And Cruz was certainly a, a controversial figure during the, the uh, end part of his high school days at Missoula Sentinel. It's very unfortunate all the things that went down. I think uh, I think nobody's to blame and everybody's to blame all at once. I don't want to absolve people from the actions that they committed. And I think that Zach Cruz certainly made a big-time mistake uh, with the racial slur he used on Venmo that then caused all sorts of ruckus and basically caused him to lose his scholarship opportunity with the Grizzlies. He's resurfaced there in Bozeman. And uh, we don't need to get into the analysis of Zach Cruz being back playing college football. I do think that if Zach Cruz is on track, and by all accounts, I hear that he certainly is, and maybe then some, I think Zach Cruz has an opportunity to be an outstanding, outstanding defensive end uh, in the Big Sky Conference. Linebackers for the Bobcats. Uh, Danny Yula-Kepa is definitely going to be one of your starting linebackers. Nolan Askelson is definitely going to be one of the top three guys. They play two inside guys there in that MSU defense. So I think Danny Yu and Askelson are sort of the front runners. But I thought Mikado O'Reilly also had a good spring ball. If the last name sounds familiar, it's because it is. His older brother, Cal, was a starting inside linebacker for the Cats there for three years in a row. So O'Reilly, a hometown kid, a Bozeman High kid. But I do think that the Cats need one more inside guy to emerge. So is that guy, Jace Fitzgerald, a Dylan product or uh, Neil Daly, a kid who started his high school career at Sentinel and then, and then finished up at West Eli Abbey's a kid who came in as a safety, but now he's playing linebackers. Is he ready to take the next step? We'll see. So I think Montana State has three good linebackers. I think, I think they actually have three guys that could be really good linebackers, but I think they need another one. I think they need a little bit more depth there on the inside. They got a lot of guys that could be it, but just none of them have any game experience yet, but that's what makes college football great. Nuan is now ESPN Radio. Uh, going through the starting lineups, or I guess the projected starting lineups for both Montana and Montana State. The other part that the other position at, at which Montana State has had one of the best guys in the league, if not the best guy in the league, for the last several years, has been the nickel spot. They run this 4-2-5 defense, but having a nickel like Ty Okada who can guard the slot and play in the box in run support, that's just an incredibly versatile weapon. I mean, that's why Ty Okada's playing for the Seattle Seahawks now. So how do they replace that? Lavelle Price is more, more of your uh, throwback traditional type corner, good at guarding the slot, He's he's a slight guy, so I don't know how much he can. He's not he's he's a fearless tackler for sure. He's not afraid to get his stick his nose in there and and uh, and hit people. Since the Ty Okada is 5'11", 200 pounds, Lavelle Price is is more like five eight, one hundred and seventy pounds. So just a little bit different of a body frame. Do they maybe try to have a a, a more traditional nickel like Price, but then also a big nickel? Maybe that guy's Caden Dowler. He's made some waves. Certainly one of the, the rapid rising young guys in the program. The uh, the twin brother of Taco Dowler. So we'll see what happens with that nickel spot, but it's an important spot in the MSU defense. At corner, I think Simeon Woodard is certainly one of the best corners returning in the conference. I fully expect him to be preseason All-Big Sky. Uh, myself and Andrew both voted for him, so I think uh, he's certainly a starter at one of the corner spots. Who's the other one, though? Miles Jackson was really highly recruited out of Portland. Can he take the next step? He's been great during spring ball and fall camp. He hasn't really done it in the games. Devin Davis is another big-framed corner who's been hurt a lot of his Montana State career. Those two guys are good options, but somebody's got to rise up and take it. And then do they have a fourth corner? I always think you need four corners to be able to endure a Division I football season. At the safety spots, I think Rylan Ort is certainly the guy at strong safety. 
And I do think they have some good depth there, too, because they have Kendrick Bailey back there as well. He's a guy that's played in games quite a bit there at MSU. And at the free safety spot, you got Drew Polidor, who's a, a converted cornerback. Montana State's defense as well, the free safety needs to be better in coverage and not necessarily a, a box guy. So I, I do think that having a, a more of a corner guy like Drew Polidor there helps MSU. And then Tyson Pottinger is another guy who, who played in games a little bit last year as well. They also brought in a uh, a JC transfer and Blake, Blake Stillwell, excuse me, uh, and he might fit in the mix there at the free safety spot as well. So those are defensive guys at MSU. Uh, who's going to be the, the, the kicker for the Cats? We left out the kicker part. That's a huge role to fill because um, last year, Blake Lester, like last couple of years, Blake Lester has been outstanding. That's why he got the opportunity to graduate transfer to UCLA. Casey Kotzman, who's a Butte product, uh, could be a, a kicker there for the Cats. But they also brought in the Hall kid, who's a transfer from Montana State to, or excuse me, from SMU to Montana State. Uh, and, and he might be able to do some kicking stuff as well. He's definitely going to be the punter. Uh, can he do double duty? I don't know, but they've been very impressed with him uh, as a punter thus far. How about the Grizzly defense? The thing you got to know about the Grizz defense is we're going to name a whole bunch of names because they just rotate so much. I think that Alex Gubner is certainly the stalwart and deserves to be recognized as a surefire starter there on the inside of the defensive front. I think that's that's certain. I think that Garrett Graves and Nash Fouch on the back end are certainly going to find themselves on the field most of the time. I think Corbin Walker at corner is certainly going to find himself on the field most of the time. Starting up front, though, who else is filling in around Gubner? Well, I think his backup's going to be Jared Ramos. He's going to have to take a big step here uh, in his redshirt freshman year. He's an outstanding talent. He had multiple Mountain West offers. He was committed to Colorado State before he jumped in the boat with the Grizz, and he's pulled out a bunch of weight. He's up to about 285 pounds. I thought he really flashed during the spring game, but can he take it during games? I, I think that his talent level and his pedigree are certainly there. He just needs to get some reps uh, under his belt. So uh, I, I think that that's a, a pretty good number two option there on the inside, but I think Eli Alford's a tough player to replace if you're the Grizz. Yeah, I thought he was invaluable last year rotating in with uh, with Alex Gubner. So they, they need Jared Ramos to come along. At the end spots, I think Hayden Harris, the transfer from UCLA, is, is certainly going to be one of the, the primary guys there. I think Cale Edwards, who played quite a bit last year, he's also going to be a primary guy there. Henry Noose was another guy that played quite a bit last year. I think he has a chance uh, to, to solidify one of those spots. And then Garrett Holstead, who's a former transfer from Nebraska, he's also played quite a bit in games. So I think they got a lot of options there at D-end. Who can really rise up? I think Edwards is more of an edge guy. I think he gets a little bit underutilized in the scheme that Montana runs, but I think he's a phenomenal athlete. He's a freak athlete, in fact. I think Noose is a, is a weight room warrior who certainly has the strength and the toughness, I think he just needs to figure out the defense a little bit more, but if he can master it, pretty good. Hayden Harris looks looked good during the spring game. I thought he had multiple tackles for loss, multiple sacks, so certainly showed some flashes there. So we'll see. I, I think the Grizz have been uh, fine, if not good, at defensive end. A lot of it's hard to judge because the DNs are sort of the mechanism of what makes all the chaos happen. So a lot of times they're doing stuff that you don't necessarily – they're affecting plays in ways you don't necessarily see – because they affect it for everybody else who then makes the plays. And it's not a coincidence that Montana has had these unbelievably prolific tacklers since Bobby Houck got back. 
That that's the scheme. That's sort of the system. Everybody does all this crazy stuff, and then they isolate a couple main tacklers, and that's how you have a guy like Dante Olson set the single season record uh, for tackles uh, in an individual campaign, or a guy like Robbie Houck set a set a career record for tackles. Uh, it is it is time as a starter for the Grizz. I think that it's not a coincidence the way that the Grizz play defensively, both with how well they run to the ball, how well they tackle, but also. The way that the defense is set up, I think that it's 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 set up for certainly for prolific tackle numbers. At linebacker, I don't really know. I think that Braxton Hill is certainly a front runner. He's going to be a senior, and I think he's a really good player that with elevated opportunities could be outstanding. I think Levi Janicaro will also be one of the front runners. He's also a senior, and now he's wearing that number thirty-seven. That the. The rest of it, though, I think is going to be a pretty big rotation. I think Riley Wilson, transfer from Hawaii, is a guy that had good reviews coming out of spring ball and uh, a dude that I think could make some noise. I also think that Tyler Flink, who's a senior, like Janet Carroll from Missoula Big Sky, uh, he made a bunch of plays in games last year. I think he'll he'll have at least that similar role, if not an elevator role, this year. And I think Carson Rostad, a kid from Hamilton, and Ryan Tyrrell, a kid from Loyola, are each probably ready for that next step to get more more time, not just on special teams, but in games. So I think that the Grizz, as always, I don't know if they have a Dante Olsen, but I don't think that really matters. I think they got six guys that can definitely play that uh, the scheme is going to cater to them being very productive. So just how many plays can they make? How many plays outside the scheme can they make? How much can they impact a game? My duty the Grizz have outstanding talent and depth at the linebacker spot. Corner, we mentioned Corbin Walker, certainly. Uh, word is that they moved Ronald Jackson, the transfer from Akron, who played some safety during the spring. They moved him to corner, so I think that's a good thing for the Grizz. Trevin Gradney has been a special team stud the last two years. Can he take the next step and, and be a, a real legitimate corner? And Jace Kluswich, kid from Frenchtown by way of Missoula Sentinel, who played safety the last couple of years. He's also transferred uh, or excuse me, uh, transitioning to corner. I think this is the biggest position of need on the Grizzlies, Andrew, and uh, they filled they filled a need today. They got a transfer from uh, UCLA. Uh, hard to gauge this kid because he didn't really play at UCLA. You think, okay, on one hand, he's got high pedigree because he's a Pac-12 transfer, but he's a walk-on there, and he didn't really play in games, right? He did not play in any games at all. Yeah, no, no stats, no participation over four years at UCLA. Yeah, a guy who... Walked on, red-shirted, been on the scout team for the last couple of years. Uh, Jelani Warren, originally from uh, from Oakland. Well, you certainly were practicing at a high level, so I think that bodes well. I mean, we saw this similar situation with Diari Todd the last couple of years. He transferred from Michigan State. He didn't play in games at all, but he came into to Montana, and he was good. I mean, he was fine. He's, he's a very solid player. Certainly, was when he was healthy, was you know could hang on the field at the Big Sky level for sure. So, um, I mean, what do they need this kid to be? I know I'm. I definitely think that the Grizz need one, if not two, more really good corners, uh, especially given the scheme that they run. How good do you think that this kid needs to be? I think they need him at least to be corner depth. Yeah, I, I think it would be really great if he could be uh, the locked in, uh, you know, number two corner behind Corbin Walker. I don't know if you're going to get that from from a kid like this. I think at the very least they need him to be good depth there. I mean, they need him to be. Um, he was a guy who who played, I think, mostly safety at UCLA, mm. or at least he was listed as a safety. 
maybe he's a guy who can bounce around at a couple spots and, and give you depth at a couple spots in the secondary. Nuwana Dow, ESPN Radio, Andrew Houghton chiming in here uh, on the show. Appreciate you for kicking it with us with the, on this Monday, a, a continuation of the Montana Football Hour, because, of course, we had a whole hour and we could only get through the starting lineups for the uh, offenses for both the Cats and the Grizz. So now we're doing the defenses. Already got MSU in the rear view, so now we're doing the Grizz. Safeties, um, I think that Garrett Graves, Nash, Fouch, and Trajan Cotton are all absolutely going to be in the mix. They all played big roles on the Grizz defense last year. And uh, I, 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 Cotton's certainly in his final year. I think Graves and, and Fouch are too, but it's so hard to keep track of all this extra eligibility. Nash Fouch is listed as a redshirt senior uh, on the Grizz roster, and Garrett Graves is also listed as a redshirt senior. So th- those two guys have played a ton of football. They're both really good athletes. And Cotton has made a great transition. He came in as a corner. He hurt his knee. Uh, he lost a couple steps, but he's become sort of this box safety. He's playing like the rover position in this Grizz defense. And if anything and everything that's in front of him, he could keep it in front of him. He's a great tackler. He's really tough. He can shut down a certain area. So um, I think that he'll get a lot of playing time there as well. And then I also think David Copang, who's a senior uh, out of Loyola. And then maybe TJ Roush is a kid who's made a lot of noise in practice out of Missoula Sentinel. I think those guys are pretty solid there uh, at the safety spot as well. But I do think the Grizz... Pretty set up there uh, at the safety spot. Andrew, what do you think? Just impressions, MSU, uh, Grizz, defense. What, what do we think? Uh, any any defined strengths or weaknesses that you see here with these projected starting lineups? Not too much uh, jumping out at me. Yeah, I think that um, I think you properly identified the Grizz. Probably need a couple more players in the secondary. Um, we'll see what they what they do there. I'm also interested to see. If the Grizz bring in any more defensive linemen, they brought in a couple of front seven players in the transfer portal already this offseason. Um, that might be something that, that goes up until fall camp where they're still looking at, at players to bring in because I think they're just one or, one or two more players there away there. And I think, um, you know, Trevin Gradney's a good player. I think Ronald Jackson could potentially be a good player, but I think all those guys would look better if you if you slid them down a spot. If Trevin Gradney was the third corner instead of going into the season expecting him to to be starting and to be playing cross from Corbin Walker the entire time. Nobody on this roster is Justin Ford. They got to have a corner. I don't know if they necessarily have to have a corner that's Justin Ford's level, but they need a guy who could be at least a, a high level corner to go opposite of. Corbin Walker. The last one to note here for the Grizz defense is the punting spot. Travis Benham is probably going to be the punter. He's a transfer punter from San Jose State. Uh, he announced his commitment to Montana last month. We never really mentioned that here on the show. So if you hadn't heard that, Travis Benham, uh, San Jose State, coming to punt uh, for the Grizzlies. Uh, I think for when you when you look at this defensive lineup for the Cats. I think they're really good up front. I think that's the strength of the Bobcat defense. I think they have a bunch of solid guys at linebacker. Can any of those guys rise up and be like All-American type guys or or first-team all-conference type guys? I include the nickel spot there for the Cats as well. I thought last year the Cat defense was okay, but certainly a far cry from what it had been the five years prior, particularly peaking with 2019 and 2021. Those are two of the better defensive units I've covered in my 17 years 
uh, covering the Big Sky Conference. I thought the Cats definitely took a step back from from that little uh, sample size last year. Being good up front will help the linebackers for sure. Can Danny Eula and Capa actually become an all-conference guy, though? Can Nolan Askelson stay, stay healthy and become an all-conference guy? And then on the back end, I do think Simeon Woodard is an elite talent, but who else? Who's going to be the, the – the? I think everybody else in the Cats' secondary is at the best unproven and uh, at the worst, they, they need more star power there. So who can rise up? Who can become a star? Who can become a, a reputable name in the league? Uh, I do think that when you start from the front back, that's a good place to start, but I also think in the big sky – you got to have guys that can cover. All three levels of the defense are going to be really important. And I think that the Cats have a lot of guys that could be good to great players. Who will be, though? And and it's no guarantee that any of them will be, but they need somebody to step up, for sure. For the Grizz, I think that you know the, the, the evaluation of their defensive line is what it is. Gubner's excellent. I think Ramos is a great talent. Um... And I think they have a bunch of options at defensive end. But I think because of the way they use their defensive ends, they got to manufacture pass rushes in a different way. And that's exactly what they've done over the last several years. And while I think that the linebackers in terms of run defense and just overall operation of the defense are going to be more than fine, they have a ton of really smart, athletic guys there at the linebacker spot. I don't know if any of them are elite at the things that the guys that came before them were elite at. Jace Lewis and Marcus Wellnell are two of the best zero-gap blitzers you'll see. I mean, Wellnell had, what, probably 15-plus sacks as an inside linebacker the last couple years. Jace Lewis had unbelievable tackles for loss uh, numbers during uh, his couple years as a star for the Grizz defense. Dante Olsen, same thing. Also, though, Patrick O'Connell is a 30-plus sack guy and a 45-plus tackle for loss guy over the last couple years as well. He was arguably the best player at getting in the backfield in the conference. So you got to find a way to replace that production for sure. The good news for the Grizz is they have a ton of guys that could do that. Who will it be? How will they put guys in a position to succeed? And who are they going to ride in that element? And then as Andrew addressed, certainly um, some needs uh, in the secondary as well. When it comes to kicker turner and punt returner for the for the uh, Cats, Marky Johnson certainly going to be the kicker turner. Punt returner was going to be Taco Dollar, but he's going to be out at least for the beginning part of the season. So where does that fall? I'm not sure. And for the Grizz, they got the best punt returner in the conference in Junior Bergen, and I think that it'll be Bergen and, and Fonts. Aaron Fonts is the kick returners. So there you go. A look. At the starting lineups, with both the Bobcats and the Grizzlies, at least projected, none of this is written in stone. I do think, one last point on this, Andrew, I think that's what's really interesting is, first of all, how even though the Cats and the Grizz won vastly different schemes on both sides of the ball, the prevalence of rotation in college football these days is on full display with... uh, both of these rosters, the fact that there's so many options for guys that could be elite, I think that's a sign of the times because there's so many guys that have been around programs for a while that have waited their turn. But I also think it just shows you how many guys have gotten playing time. Both the Montana schools are playing a ton of guys. So I think that that you don't need a high as high of a hit rate when you have so many options. And I think that that's where both these 
programs are kind of at. They have a lot of options, especially at the, the essential positions. And it, it's especially good for these two programs because I think they, they have shown that their their development, their in-house development is able to, to turn out success stories at a, at a very high rate, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. all the Montana guys that you just mentioned, uh, Marcus Wellnell, Jace Lewis, Patrick O'Connell, yep. et cetera, there is a ton of in-house development and improvement That's that goes right. into those success That's right. stories. That's right. So it's like... Like if Braxton Hill is just an All-American this year, that wouldn't surprise me at all. At all. Right. Or, or Levi Janicaro as well. It's the same thing at Montana State, too. If Ryland, or as a kid, that if he was just the first team all big sky guy, that would not surprise me at all because he's just sort of had to wait his turn for quite some time. Simeon Wood are the same thing. Well, and it's just a good recipe for success when you're giving yourselves a lot of chances at a development success story and yeah. you're also hitting those at a, at a pretty high rate. That's why we're still pretty pretty high on these defenses, even though there's not a ton of star power That's right. on these defenses coming into this year uh, because they've got a lot of options, like you said, and they've shown in the past that they have a pretty high developmental success rate. So you're expecting multiple of those players to hit. It, it's a good recipe for success because you, know, you don't have to hit on the three-star recruit, the, the, right. the, the number one recruit who you're competing with FBS offers right. for. You just bring in a bunch of kids and you trust what you do in-house to make them better, and you'll probably end up with a bunch of pretty good players. And this is all just our projections of what we know right now. One of the best parts about covering college football is you never know when some guy just, just freaks out. And just just completely explodes. I mean, Daniel Hardy was a backup outside linebacker for his whole time at Montana State. Then they switched him to defensive end, and the guy has 17-plus sacks and gets drafted in the NFL. So, you know, and you also never know when a solid guy becomes, like, Brody Grubey's been good. I, I would say good to very good the last couple years. But he also hasn't quite put it together to be like that all-time awesome D-end. And the Cats have had all-time awesome D-ends, like, off of a factory belt for for decades they've always had at least one of the premier big sky defensive ends you know all the way back to the uh you know the days of like bill kohler all the way through you know mark fellows and and all the guys in the 1980s and then dane fletcher i mean there's been so many great edge guys there at montana state greeby's been again good when does he just completely freak out and become absolutely great we'll see i think that's what's really fun about covering college football so as now espn radio swx montana television and the ESPN MT app. A race dedicated to quote-unquote below-average athletes and weekend warriors. It's happening this weekend here in Missoula. Mark Peterson will join us next to talk about this uh, this 1K for a good cause. That's next. Keep it right here ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio Missoula. I watched this Wham documentary and then I just got on the 80s trail. And so, you know, now we're just rocking to some new wave. No, it's not a Gwen Stefani song, although her cover uh, was pretty good. Welcome back. You want us now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. I'm Coulter Nuanas coming to you through the ESPN MT studio here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company. Missoula Broadcasting, locally owned and operated. For more than 15 years, and happy to say so. Uh, we love highlighting community events of all sorts uh, here on Nuanez Now. And there's another one coming up. When these guys gave a call, I said, oh, sure, I'd love to help you uh, spread the news about your, your upcoming fun run. And uh, 
that I hadn't realized that these guys are getting like hundreds, if not a thousand people to show up to this thing. It's been going on for a little while, but this is the first I've learned about it. So now all you get to learn about it as well. We're joined now on the Rangers Brothers RV phone line by Mark Peterson. And uh, thanks to Dave Peppinger for setting this up as well. Mark, how you doing, man? Doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, first of all, this is funny and uh, sort of fun. And, and I, I want to pre- preface this with uh, this is all in jest and good spirits and for a good cause. So uh, don't be one of those people out there that's all offended by everything. But these guys have a fun group. It's called Lard Butt LLC. You can check out lardbutt.com. So just start there, Mark. Where did this come from? What is it? Uh, how did you guys get this thing rolling? Man, a long time ago, a bunch of us were high school athletes in Montana. I mean, I'm talking back around the time Abe Lincoln was president. I <laughs> know, yeah, right? And, uh, you know, we slowed down over the years, and uh, one of our co-founders who lives there in Missoula, a guy named Brent Baldwin, made a little shirt for a small group of people that said lard butt biking. And we thought it was pretty clever and funny, and then we decided hey, why don't we make a little business of this and dedicate it to below-average athletes? And so it initially started as an apparel company where we're just basically making fun of ourselves and owning the fact that we're slowing down. But over time, we realized there are so many events out there for elite or above-average athletes. What about the silent majority of us who are below-average athletes? And instead of a 5K or a 10K or a half marathon, what about a 1K, one kilometer? That's 0.62 miles. And instead of water stations, why don't we bring what people really need? Those are donut stations. So that really born the uh, Lard Butt 1K. <laughs> well, this is going on uh, this weekend uh, on Saturday at Fort Missoula Regional Park. Starts at uh, noon, and everything gets underway uh, at 1030. It is interesting because I do think the one thing that's great about running is, well, there's a lot of things that's great about it. I am myself not a runner, but I do find it very uh, inspiring for a lot of reasons. I mean, there's there's people of all ages and ability levels and shapes and sizes that are coming together for a lot of different reasons. But as you were saying, no matter what, uh, it takes a, a strong effort to be able to run a 10K or a marathon. My, my sister-in-law asked me to run the Missoula Half Marathon this year. I was like, dude, oh, wow. I have never, wow. I can't run more than two miles. I would die after 13 miles. 1K though, Mark, this sounds right up my alley. So <laughs> that's sort of the spirit of this thing though, right? It, this is uh, for everybody and uh, anybody can come out. And uh, it's way more about, the community gathering and the fun and uh, the, the the good cause than it is the actual competition, right? That, that's right. We actually don't time this thing, so there's zero pressure. And we do have a wave for those who really want to run. It's called the show-off wave, but they're actually booed. <laughs> and so people want to get out and run and, you know, have a speed time. They're welcome to do it, but that's called the show-off wave. And just so people know, everything gets underway at noon. Uh, early registration that day is at 1030. The venue is Fort Missoula Regional Park. It's our first time there. We're excited. It's a beautiful venue with great views of the valley. We'll have plenty of refreshments and a few thousand donuts. And as you mentioned, it goes to a good cause. Perhaps the most important part of this event is it's a food drive for the Pulverello Center. So if we get 1,000 people showing up and everyone's encouraged to bring two cans of food or more, that's a real impact for people in the Missoula community who need some help. Well, very cool. And uh, again, if you if you can, you should bring some food down to this thing because they're going to donate it all uh, to the Missoula Pavarello Center. Uh, this thing starts at That's noon right. down at the fort uh, on Saturday. They're going to have a beer garden opening at 11 a.m. as well. So this is it's another unique fold, right? A lot of people like to drink a beer after they get done with their run. You can drink beer before you even run in this thing as well, right? Oh, it might be a little warm, so we encourage people to hydrate with some beer. And we have the folks from Highlander who have brewed a beautiful lard butt lager 
We also have a mimosa garden, and those who prefer non-alcoholic options and for kids, we have those available as well. And as I mentioned, there's a few different waves. We have the show-off wave for those who are inclined to go really fast. We have the legends wave for those who weigh 250 or more. And then we have the waddlers wave sort of for the rest of us. And in addition, we have a free kids dash for those 10 and under, and they have the option to purchase a shirt as well. And everybody who signs up at lardbutt.com, they get the following. They get to enter the wave of their choice. They get a custom Lardbutt 1K Missoula shirt. They get all the donuts they want from Krispy Kreme Donuts. And they get their choice of one free drink, whether it be a beer, mimosa, or a non-alcoholic beverage. So it's a, it's a great day. And as you said, it goes to an important cause uh, locally with the Pavarello Center. Lardbutt.com. 35 bucks if you register ahead of time, or you can uh, do it week of. I guess we're into the week of or day of for 40 bucks. But for your $40, That's you're going right. to get to participate in this. You're also going to get a T-shirt. You're going to get a beer or a mimosa afterwards, plus uh, the donuts and uh, other foods that are on site. So uh, if you want, if you want to have some fun down at the fort on Saturday, uh, visit lardbutt.com. Mark Peterson joining us on behalf of the uh, organizers of this race. Uh, anything else that the people need to know about this thing, Mark? Well, it's really homecoming for us. Most of our founders, in fact, all of our founders are from Missoula. Three of them live in Missoula. And so we really love coming back to Missoula. It's a special day. And as you said, we hope to bring a thousand people together to have a lot of fun, to not take ourselves so seriously. Costumes are encouraged. Pets are welcome on leash. It's accessible. Uh, we welcome all comers, all ages, all shapes, all sizes. It's lardbutt.com. And as we like to say, get cracking. <laughs> there you go. This is uh, this is fun times. So uh, congratulations to you guys for building this up already. Uh, but if you want something to do, go on down to the fort uh, on Saturday morning and uh, hang out with these guys. Get some donuts, get some beer. Sounds pretty darn good to me. Uh, Mark, thanks so much for joining us, man. Good luck on Saturday. No, thanks so much for having us, Coulter, and hopefully we'll see you out there. There you go. A uh, community event. When they first started telling me about this, I was like, oh, this sounds okay. It sounds pretty fun. A fun joke between uh, friends. But then they're like, well, we get 1,000 people every year to come do this. So I was like, really? Well, that, that's okay. That, that's that's a significant number. And and then if you're also raising money and getting food donations, that's pretty cool. You know, this is all in jest. They they certainly are, are sort of teasing about their own uh, – athleticism or lack thereof. It's self-deprecation at its finest. More than anything, they just want to get people together, have a little costume fun run, and, and eat some donuts and drink some mimosas. All right, I'm all for that. But they're also raising money and, and food donations for the Pavarello Center and, and the Missoula Food Bank. So I think that's definitely a worthy cause, no doubt. So um, I know some of you out there probably offended by the name. Lardbutt.com is how you uh, register for this thing. But... I don't know if you're getting a thousand plus people and uh, it's a community gathering that has some sort of uh, promotion of both health and community engagement. It's something that will certainly help you spread the word about. Nuwana's now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. The documentary is not making me like Kirk Cousins anymore. In fact, the exact opposite. Analysis of the new Netflix series next. ESPN Radio. One of the most fun songs to play on Guitar Hero. Do people still play Guitar Hero? I think they still do like at the arcades. I really don't know. That, that was certainly a thing <laughs> 10 to 15 years ago. I don't know if they still do. Well, it's now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Miss anything in the show, you can always find it on the podcast, available on all your various podcast hosting platforms. 
Probably presented by Blackfoot Communications, the M Store, and the MSU Bookstore. Andrew Houghton and I have been talking a ton of Big Sky Conference football, specifically biggest stars in the Big Sky coming into the football season, best pro prospects, plus projected starting lineups for both Montana and Montana State on the football field. And uh, we also talked about uh, a fun run that's going on down there at Fort Missoula on Saturday as well. Uh, check all that out on the Nuanas Now podcast. I went through the uh, all-league ballot quickly to see if we missed any uh, potential pro prospects. I do think that uh, there's certainly going to be a bunch of guys that could emerge that so we don't really know yet, but I think that the old, I, I think we, we nailed pretty much all of them. The only two guys I would add to the list are just a couple of the offensive linemen in the league. I think Noah Atagi at Weber State is uh, sort of the next in line of guys that are at least fringe NFL prospects there at Weber. Basically, if you're the best offensive lineman at Weber, you're probably going to be an NFL prospect. That's at least been tried and true over the last 10 or 12 years. And then another guy is uh, Jackson Slater at Sac State. He's a seventh-year player there. He's going to be a four-year starter by the time this is all said and done there. Maybe his age hurts him a little bit, but, I mean, he's 6'7", 315, so he's going to get a shot for sure. You have to also imagine, even though Eastern Washington's program has declined they still have great pedigree among their offensive linemen as well. Up until last year, pretty much always the best offensive lineman at Eastern was a fringe NFL guy, if not a surefire NFL guy as well. So maybe there's a guy at Eastern too, but I think that those are the other two guys I'd just add to the list as as pro prospects. There's probably a defensive back or a linebacker at, at one of the big city schools like Sac State or Portland State that that's that's you know great athlete that could put up great pro day numbers that might get a shot. Uh, but we'll see. For all of you that texted me, because you know that I am a uh, reluctant yet still addicted uh, Minnesota Vikings fan, who certainly has more vitriol toward the quarterback of his football team than maybe anybody around, a bunch of you texted me, you got to watch the Netflix series Quarterback. It's going to make you like Kirk Cousins more. Wrong. Completely incorrect. It does not make me like him more at all. First of all, I I must define this. I've been like this since I was a kid, and my brother is very much like this as well. Who you are as a person and how you conduct yourself as a person, for better or worse, is largely irrelevant to me in my opinion of you as an athlete. I want to see you perform as an athlete, and I'm going to judge you almost exclusively on, on your athletic uh, accomplishments and um, downfalls. I mean, for, for gosh sakes, my favorite athletes when I was a kid were Barry Bonds and Albert Bell. <laughs> I mean, if I was really judging based on uh, interactions with the media or, you know, just likable personalities, I don't think I, uh, those guys would be in the front running. But first of all, I've always loved villains. Second of all, I just love people that are just... That, that are irreverent, that take no prisoners, that you know, that don't really care what other people think about them. I like that kind of person. I, I will say that I don't, I don't hate Kirk Cousins as a person. In fact, watching this documentary, I think Kirk Cousins is a, is a wonderful guy. I think he's a, a phenomenal dad. I think he's, he'd probably be such a good neighbor. Like if Kirk Cousins lived next door to you, you'd be stoked. He'll come help you if you put the car in the ditch. If you're out of town and the, you know, your wife needs the driveway plowed, Kurt's got you. 
He's living a low-key life. He's sitting by the bonfire with his kids. He's playing in the living room. He's a great dad. He's a you know great suburban neighbor. That's all fine and good. He seems like a guy with a heart of gold. That's why he's the worst quarterback situation in the National Football League. He doesn't got it. He's got it enough to be better than almost everybody else, but not even close to as good as you need to be to actually be a true Super Bowl contender. And then you couple the fact that the Vikings are spending so much money on this guy, it's why the Vikings are stuck forever. There's people out there that are NFL fans of teams that are terrible. And they're probably saying, well, Coulter, it could be a lot worse. You know, the Vikings... In, in my lifetime, the Vikings since, since I, I I would say I become a, I became a Minnesota Vikings fan when I was like nine nine or ten so that's nineteen ninety six or nineteen ninety seven. The Vikings have been truly bad one time in that entire span, but they've also only been epically good one time nineteen ninety eight when they went fifteen and one and lost in the NFC Championship game to the Atlanta Falcons. Other than that. They've been pretty good, pretty okay. They're between 7 and 11 wins every single year. I think they had one other season of more than 11 wins. I think they won 12. And I think they maybe had one six-win year in there. But they're always 7 and 9 to 11 and six, or 11 and 5 in the old schedule. I guess now last year they were 11 and 7. Uh, or excuse me, 11, they had 11 regular season wins last year, so 11 and 6 last year. Regardless, that's your ceiling. Okay, you win the NFC North. NFC North's not very good. And then you go and you lose a home playoff game to the New York Giants. If that's your ceiling, get me off the ride. We got to go a different direction. Get me something else in here. I'd rather have the Vikings be bad and get a top pick that they don't have to spend all this money on. On the other hand, Kirk Cousins is playing with arguably one of, if not the best offensive player in the National Football League in Justin Jefferson, that certainly elevates his statistics. I, I guess after watching quarterback, I certainly empathize for Kirk Cousins for a variety of reasons. I don't think he has the makeup to truly be elite, and I think he's going to get scrutinized because of that for the rest of his career. I think he's going to be pinned as overrated and overpaid forever. He's going to have this reputation of, the guy who puts up great regular season stats, he's an awesome fantasy football quarterback to have, and he gets you in the playoffs, and he's never going to win you a big one. He's never going to beat a great team in prime time. He's never going to win in the playoffs. That's why he's stuck. I always talk about this, but the Vikings have the worst quarterback situation in the National Football League because they have a guy that's just good enough to keep them hanging on to the hope that he could be elite, but he's not going to get there. And me watching the show, it shows why. Kirk Cousins is tough. He gets the wind knocked out of him all the time. You can hear his ribs and his wheezing through the, the rib injuries that he had all year last year. And he stay, stayed in there. He had a great year statistically. But when they played the best teams, like week two against the Eagles, wiped, rolled by the Cowboys. They get in the playoffs and they I mean, he lost to Daniel Jones in the playoffs at home. Come on, man. Daniel Jones is not taking the world by storm. Is Daniel Jones one of the 15 best quarterbacks in the league? I'll, get, I'll save you the research. I'll save you making the list. He's not. And he outdueled Kirk Cousins in his own home stadium. So I empathize with Kirk Cousins as a person after watching this. I understand him more as a person. But in terms of my opinion of him as the Minnesota Vikings starting quarterback, this fully affirms this series, this quarterback series, fully affirms 
what I already believe to be true, and it actually makes me feel even more vindicated in my opinion. He's just soft, man. I, I don't know what else to say. I also think Patrick Mahomes comes off as abrasive and slightly unappealing from a personality standpoint. But guess what? That's what I'm talking about, the divide between what people act like and how their personalities are compared to what they are on the football field. Is Patrick Mahomes the son of a pro athlete who's been pretty spoiled his whole life? Absolutely he is. Has he had elevated opportunities that made him into this amazing player? Absolutely. Is he also one of the hardest working son of a guns I've ever seen? Completely and utterly dedicated to his craft? A football savant who absorbs things at such an unbelievable level and then has the ability and the swagger, the confidence, all of it to put it into action on Sundays. Unbelievable. If you watch this, you get exactly why Patrick Mahomes is good. From from his baseball background to uh, his unwavering dedication to making himself a true machine physically to... uh, his ability to absorb things, like when they're in the meeting rooms and stuff, the way he can absorb all of the elements of what Andy Reid wants him to do, he's a genius. He's a true football genius. And that's why he's the best quarterback in the National Football League, and he's one of the best quarterbacks that we've ever seen in the National Football League. More on the quarterback series, because we didn't really talk about Marcus Mariota, but I do think it's very revealing, it's very interesting, and it's certainly worth watching. We'll be back at it tomorrow, 4 p.m. We'll see you then. This has been Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that yeah. might, it must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Yeah, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time.